Let's pray. God, you know that I keep asking you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. We pray also that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we know the hope to which you have called us, the glorious riches of the inheritance of your saints, and that incomparably great power for us who believe. It's that power. Um, this is the same mighty strength you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms. God, it's, it's that power that we're asking for, for wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. So be with us in our time together today. We know you're here and we trust you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the course of the last couple of weeks, as we reintroduce ourselves to the community and to the world as Centerpoint Church, we've been making our way through our mission, vision, values, and things like that. And at Centerpoint Church, we exist to know Christ, to grow together, reach beyond ourselves, and help others do the same, all for the sake of making Christ known. This is our mission. This is why, as, pe as the people of God, that we exist. And we've spent time looking at our mission, and, and we also have looked at our vision. So last week, we spent a little time thinking about the way in which um, we aim is, is what we hit. So if mission is why we exist, vision is that thing or, or the way in which we'll get to the place that God is calling us. And as I explained it last week, you know, there, there, there is a, a bullseye on the target, and the reality is, is we're throwing a net. We're not pulling a bow and shooting an arrow. We're not aiming, I mean, we're aiming at the center, but we're not going to hit it with a bullet. We're casting a net. And all of you are in the target. All of you are on the net. And there's one thing that I think is true that I wasn't able to communicate clearly last week. So um, we believe that 20-year-olds can look and see what it would look like to, to be a young family with kids. And we believe that 65-year-olds and 85-year-olds and 53-year-olds can remember what it was like to be 35 or to be 28 and have little kids and how desperately we need to do and create things that reach them. So all of this, you're all in the net, you're all in a target, and we're going to keep casting this net because we want to reach young families and beyond with gospel-centered truth for the head and heart that transforms lives and impacts our communities and the world for Christ, especially those who are new to town and or far from Jesus. This is our vision. So mission is why, vision is God's emerging future for us, it's, it's where we're going. And, and as a preacher, I sometimes wonder, are people actually tracking with me or do they hear anything that I'm saying? And so I used an analogy as it relates to vision last week with a, a Pinterest recipe and an epic disaster that was true for me. Here it is, if you weren't with us. So this is the vision on this side of the screen, and on the other side is, is what I happened to create. And so I wonder, are people actually paying any attention? And then I got this text on Tuesday evening, and the text says this, um, we had a good laugh. We understood the assignment, it was very yummy, to which I said show-offs, right? 
I mean, people heard part of what we were communicating, but I wondered, did you hear all of the, the necessary vision thing? And then I got this, to, this through uh, Instagram just an hour later, and somebody says, thanks for the inspo, Chris. They had a, an inspiration towards uh, their vision for supper. And mission and vision really matter. I love that, that you are feeling comfortable enough with me that you can haze me and have a laugh at my expense. I think that's pretty great. And, and this week we take a little bit of a turn. And, and I want to invite you to take this turn with me because as we get clear about mission and vision at Centerpoint Church, the ways we live into and, and out of our mission and vision are things that are known as values. And so if you were paying attention to the, the bumper video as it scrolled along the screen, you would have seen five things that make up our values. Values are simply things that bind us together. They bring us together and, and they keep us together. These are the things that answer why and where, because this is the how. Values are quite simply uh, guiding principles. And at Centerpoint Church, our values are these things. So the first is that everything we do, we're going to center on the gospel. The Bible, we believe, is the foundation of all we do and believe. It introduces us to God's truth and the good news that he loves us with, un, with immeasurable grace. This beautiful gospel is the very center point of our lives and our efforts. Transforming lives is also one of our values. God's grace changes everything we believe. We lean into Jesus to continually transform our hearts and minds and lives. We allow God to change us and serve to guide others to the feet of Jesus so that they can experience the life-changing power of Jesus. Additionally, we want to prioritize a healthy culture. We work to create a culture that is spiritually and emotionally healthy. We promote healthy transparency, vulnerability, and accountability so that God can do his best work in us and through us together. We're going to do these things together, valuing generations. We're committed to being a multi-generational church that pursues Christ together, investing in generations beyond our own, prioritizing intergenerational relationships, and providing effective ministry for all of life stages, for all of life stages. If you're 8 or 88, living on mission, our mission to make Christ known is more than an event or a program. Together, we are following the Holy Spirit into a vibrant, generous, life-giving journey to share Christ's love in our homes, our church, our community, and throughout the world. These are our values. We'll say a little bit more about this um, throughout uh, the message today and over the course of the next days and weeks and months because we want this stuff to, to sink in. And we say that Jesus is our center and the point of everything we do. And if that's true, if, if Jesus is our center and, and the point of everything we do, everything we do flows out of centering on the gospel. But what is the gospel? If I was to ask you the question, what is the gospel, I wonder how you would explain it. What would be your answer? In, in the Greek, the word is euangelion. It's a, a reward for good tidings. And, and the way that we would translate that is to say simply, the gospel is good news. 
And if there's 300 of us here today, I imagine that we might have 100 different responses to what is the gospel. And so since I'm a curious person by nature, I asked some people, what is the gospel? What do you think it is? And so here's some of the responses. I asked eight-year-olds, I asked 70-some-year-olds, and I asked every group in between. Here are some of the things that you said. Jesus wants to save us from our sins. This is good news because I will not be sent to hell, but can be in heaven with God. The gospel means good news. For me, that good news is knowing Jesus and what he did for me. Another person said, the, the gospel is the story of Jesus, the Son of God, taking on flesh, living a perfect life, dying the death that I deserved, conquering death, hell, and the grave, and rising again victoriously. This is good news for me, she says, because it means that the price for my sin has been paid. Jesus did what I couldn't do. He lived a perfect life, and he took the punishment that I deserved. By his blood, I am set free and made right with God. This is good news for this college student. The, the good news, another person said, is that God's kingdom is available for ordinary human beings like me. Also, that, that God's kingdom is here right now, not just in the future somewhere. It's here right now. I can experience God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And as I ask people who spend time um, theologizing and studying God, a couple of other people were, were highlighted for me. John Ortberg says, the kingdom of God has now, through Jesus, become available for ordinary human beings to live in. Another pastor, theologian, Rich Velotis, says, the gospel is the good news that God's kingdom has come near through Jesus and through his life, death, resurrection, and enthronement. The powers of Satan, sin, and death no longer have the last word. Amen? Amen. I got an amen at Center Point Church. Now, as an old newspaper man, I think I have a pretty good eye for news. I think I can say that during my journalism career, I covered presidential candidates, I covered vice presidential candidates, local government, state champions, house fires and murders. I've covered all of the things, and, and I have an eye for news. The, the job of the journalist is simply to tell the story and to do so in a way that a fifth grader can understand, and it's kind of like being a preacher, right? Can I, can I explain what is being said in a way that the fifth grader among us can understand in the way that the 85-year-old can understand? And, and I'm here, friends, to, to proclaim to you some good news today. I want to share good news with you. Now, the foundational passage when we think about the gospel is typically John 3.16. Everybody knows it. It's on the screen, and so if you don't know it, but say this with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, that is good news, right? And here's the thing. I think we need to understand a couple things before that be actually is or becomes good news for us. The, the Jesus we speak of and, and worship is the second Adam. The first Adam, you might recall, was formed from the dust of the earth. Adam was put to sleep and from his rib Eve was created and together... Rather than accepting the life that God had created and provided for them, they decided that they wanted to be like God and they sinned. 
They missed the mark. And since then, God has gone to great lengths to redeem and restore all that was lost in in that moment when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. God has gone to great lengths. And God could have obliterated everyone and everything. In fact, he wiped away most of it with the flood. And he said, okay, here's your do-over. Let's go again. Let's give it another shot. And God tried time and time again to provide a way for God's people, to provide a way for us. And after all of the sacrificial practices, sending the law down the mount with Moses and providing the world with kings, God eventually sent his one and only son into the world to make all things whole, to make all things new, holy and just God, which is what our God is. A holy and just God requires that we too be holy and just. And the only way we can attain those things is through Jesus. And Jesus, who says, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But he didn't stop there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, the text tells us, but rather to save the world through him. And this, this is ultimately the good news. And just like we read last week, so last week we looked at two parables. We looked at the parable of the wandering sheep um, in Matthew 18, and then we looked at the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15. And and as we discovered, as we were understanding that um, we are all the ones, each one of us is the one, we came to this section in Luke 15 where the lost sheep wandered away, and the shepherd left the flock to find him. And when he found that sheep, something pretty beautiful happened, if you recall. He didn't kick that sheep like some might kick the dog who ran away. Instead, there there wasn't punishment. The shepherds showed great compassion. And he hoisted that sheep up on his shoulders. And then he carried the sheep back to safety. And friends, this is what God has done for us in in sending the person of Jesus Christ into the world. God saw us continually wandering off because this is what we do. And God chose not to condemn the world, which he rightly could have. And instead of kicking us when we're down, he sent his one and only son into the world. And what did Jesus do? In the world, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is that Jesus so loved the world that he came into it and he lived a sinless life. He was accused of things he didn't do. He was sentenced to death. He was beaten and battered and flogged within an inch of his life. And then he was stripped naked and nailed to a tree where he was left to bleed out. And, and can you see this, that this is news and, and could you see the headline? If this was in the, on the front page of the Sioux Center News this week, it would say, local man found guilty of heinous crime stripped and nailed to a tree in Children's Park. And that's news, right? But is it good news? Good news is that Jesus did what he said he would do. Three days after his death, he was raised from the dead. He fulfilled all that the scriptures proclaimed. And this is the good news, friends. He did what he said he was going to do. He fulfilled all the law and the prophets. 
The Apostle Paul preached the gospel this way in 1 Corinthians 15, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Friends, Paul centered his life on the gospel. Did you hear how he said, according to the scriptures? In church, the gospel, quite simply, is good news because something has happened And the world will never be the same as a result. Otherwise, it's just news. If if everything just went on as it is, something happened and it's news. But, But something has happened that changed the trajectory of all history. And Jesus himself, while he walked the earth and while he lived and taught as he went, proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom has come near, Jesus said. The kingdom is here. It's now, it's it's in the midst of us. That is good news because the one true God has taken charge of the world in and through Jesus. The one true God has taken control of the world in and through Jesus. Through his death, resurrection, and ascension to God's right hand, God's plan to set the world right, to make all things whole, has been unleashed This is the good news that God promised generations ago and and the good news that the people of Israel hoped for yet didn't anticipate. Because people throughout history have worshipped all kinds of gods and idols, but in Christ, the one true God was on full display. And And it takes me all the way back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 6. One of my friends recently called this the gospel of the Old Testament, and it opened my eyes to some things that I wonder if it will open your eyes to this morning as well. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with everything you've got. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Hundreds of years before Jesus, this is what the Lord proclaimed to the people. The people of God had been taught that the Lord our God, the Lord, is one for centuries. And they and we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. And now... Thanks be to God, in Christ, people have witnessed the love of God in the person of Jesus. And as Paul explained, in accordance with the scriptures, Jesus was seen by Peter after being raised from the dead, and then by the twelve, and soon after by the five hundred. And if you take this away from the, from, from the account, 
the resurrection in the sense of Jesus, it's just news if you take this away. It's not good news. It's not good news that changes anything for you or for me. It's just news. But since we can't take it away because history proves that it has actually happened, lives have been transformed. And Christianity has spread around the world, even to this place, which at one point was the ends of the earth until 1877 when a church was started here. Friends, this is good news for us. But there's an, an already and not yet aspect to this good news right? Because Jesus has fulfilled the law and prophets, but Jesus has yet to return. So while we are still here, we get to do some things. The kingdom that Jesus is creating is not yet fully realized, but we anxiously await and anticipate his return. But we don't do it passively. We live lives on mission because of this good news that Jesus is our center and the point of everything we do, everything flows from the gospel. The gospel impacts our lives personally and the gospel informs everything we do and everything we stand for as a collection of people called together to be the church. Now in, in this uh, ongoing process of spiritual formation that I facilitate called faith walking. I'll often say this, there are, there are moments that happen throughout our lives that once we see it, we can't unsee it. And it, it's evidenced in the gospel. Once we see all that Jesus has done for broken um, sinners like me, for broken sinners like you, we can't unsee it. And when we become aware of these things in our life, when we see them and we see the choices that we've made, we get to get into action. When we grasp the length that God was willing to go to, to call us back to himself, what choice do you make? Has your life been transformed by the gospel? Has your life been transformed by this good news? Because when our lives are transformed, we impress God's commands on our children. We talk about them when we walk along the road or as we go, as we live our lives, we talk about these things when we lie down and when we get up. We might even tie them as symbols on our hands or wear a cross necklace around our, over our head and on our neck or, or bind them on our foreheads. And, and the good news is, is good because God has set things right. The gospel of both the Old Testament and the New Testament calls us to be agents of transformation where we live and where we work and where we play. As you go, as you live your life, we get to tell people about how Jesus is changing the world through your life and through your experiences. A community of people willing to allow God to transform them and to guide others to the feet of Jesus is who we are called to be as a church. And I'm convinced that we won't and don't do that without prioritizing a healthy culture. There's a lot more we can say about this next week, but Jesus calls us to live lives of authenticity and vulnerability. 
Friends, Jesus calls us to take the gospel home and to bring our sin to church. And it's God's deep desire that we love one another. If we don't have love, we are just resounding gongs and clanging cymbals. If we have all knowledge and have faith, but don't have love, we're nothing, the scriptures tell us. So the thing is this. The good news of Jesus has the power to transform our lives, every inch of our life, every part of our lives, our emotional and spiritual health, but we get to join God in creating a culture where emotional and spiritual health is a priority. We get to do this by extending grace to one another when we fail. We get to join God in extending love to people when we encounter them rather than shaming them for something they may have done or not done. We get to take responsibility for our church, becoming the kind of place that values and prioritizes emotional and spiritual health. And we don't or won't do it alone. It's not possible. So I'm going to say this. I said this last week. You belong here. Every one of you. You belong here. You're in the right place. And God has things for you to do. To reach beyond yourself to help others do the same. Because Jesus is our center and the point of everything we do. We decide if we want to know Christ and if we want to do what Jesus said. We decide. And we grow together by valuing generations. And I just want to say that I'm, I'm in the middle of my life, I think. But I don't have the market cornered on all wisdom. So I need to hang out with people who are older than me and younger than me. And so do you. The truth, that's true for you too. So I want to learn with and from you. Because it's for my good and God's glory that I get to be involved and I need to be involved in the lives of a lot of people. So I was having this conversation with a 25-year-old this week, and I asked her the question that I've asked you, what's the gospel and why is it good news? And she immediately started to cry. Now, I'm not sure that I've cried in front of you yet, um, but, but I do cry. That's, I mean, I'm, I do have a tender heart. And, and the way in which she described the gospel to me and its impact on her life was, was overwhelming. And, and I would want you to experience that. I would want you to be able to ask somebody, what is the gospel? And to watch them break down. To just be so encaptured and, and captivated by the love of God through the person of Jesus and all that Jesus has done for her that she couldn't. I mean, there was nothing she could do except cry and express, and express the deep love that she has found in Christ. And another center point church goer told me this. It's a little long, but hang with me because it's worth it. The gospel to me is everything. It's my oxygen, my heartbeat. Without it, my life was riddled by my performance, my image, and my position, placing both the hope and goodness in these three things, and, and that's no hope at all. I felt I could, self, I could save myself from my brokenness and my humanity by working hard, performing better, and making myself more than I am. But it was actually in my frailty and in my brokenness that Jesus met me with such tenderness and kindness. I was getting in the way of where his image and his performance and his position was meant to be. 
I was taking up space where the good news was supposed to breathe in my life. When I couldn't see myself and was overwhelmed by my humanity, I received the invitation to the righteousness of Jesus, to the person of Jesus, to the work of Jesus, to the authority of Jesus, and ultimately to salvation through Jesus. Through his death and resurrection, he made a way, and now I dance in freedom. I get to live wrapped in the fullness of God. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I breathe to make him known. May the person I once was in the kingdom I created die every day so that his life and his kingdom may take up residence. Amen? Wow. I mean, it's fantastic. He stepped in. He made a way. And now I dance in freedom. I get to live wrapped in the fullness of God. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I breathe to make him known. May that be true of me. May it be true of you. Friends, Jesus is our center and the point of everything we do. Is that true for you? Is Jesus your center? Is Jesus the point of everything you do? Because we want this for you. And because we do, because we so desperately want this for this place, for Centerpoint Church, we center on the gospel and we live on mission. And these two things, they bookend our values. And everything flows out of them. We focus on each of these to, so that we might know Christ that we might grow together, that we would reach beyond ourselves and teach others to do the same, all for the simple fact that we desire to make Christ known. And here's your invitation. It's inspired by people texting me and sending me DMs on Instagram. Um, what is the gospel? Why is it good news for you? I want you to sit with that as long or as short as is necessary for you in this week. And I want you to write that down. Write down your answers and email me. I'm not going to use them for you or against you. But if you're listening and, and encouraged by, a, by, a, by an epic failure of a cheeseburger, um, I wonder about the gospel. It's there, chris at wearecenterpoint.com. What is the gospel? And why is this good news for you? The invitation, friends, is to talk about these things when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up with whoever it is that you encounter during the course of the week. Talk about these things. And together, friends, we will make Christ known. Let's pray.